Hey family, I'm Joanna and I'm Shannon and, and we're, we're just ordinary Catholics. So Shannon, what are we talking about today? We decided to start a seven-part series. If you can guess what we have seven of, it's the days of the week. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to be diving into a little bit of what a sacrament is and the different sacraments that we have. Right. And we know like a lot of people listening are are probably Catholic and they're probably like, yeah, we already know what the seven sacraments are. We get it. We learned that in CCD or prep or Sunday school or whatever you want to call it. But I think the the hope of us kind of diving in is for one, I'd like to learn a little bit more about them all. Um, but two, just to maybe help like talk through for like ordinary Catholics, like maybe people who didn't, who don't have it like ingrained in them, like just a little bit more about what they are, why we do them, why we have them, the elements of them. And for me, you and you probably, the ordinary Catholics who grew up Catholic and were Catholics since babies, um, a lot of these sacraments I received very young or before I even really cared to, to really dive deep into it. And I took it for granted. And as I started growing up, and especially raising my own kids, and finding out the whys of, of the whats, I, it's really incredible why we do certain things. Yeah, I totally agree. I do think that there is something to be said about when we, like, in particular baptism, I think most of us don't even remember our baptism and, like, it's not really important to us and we don't even think about it until it's time that we have our own kids and we get those, you know, get our own kids baptized. And that's when we actually like learn what the heck a sacrament is and what is really happening in the sacrament. Yeah. So as we said, there are seven sacraments and today we're going to choose one sacrament to talk about. So sacraments are actually divided up into different categories. So there's three different categories. So there's the sacraments of initiation, the sacraments of healing, and the sacraments of service. So today we're going to be talking about the what is most notably known as like the first sacrament of initiation, and that is baptism. The reason it's known as the first sacrament is because you don't receive the other sacraments until you're baptized. Exactly. And, and a sacrament is... An invisible reality made visible. So each sacrament has some human or tangible element to them, or whether it's the words or the, the items that we use or the, the things that we hold or whatever to help us as humans understand the tangible, outward, visible reality of the invisible things that we can't see that are happening in our hearts and on our souls. We receive sacraments because it's our answer to Christ's call for holiness. All right, so let's just get into it then. I feel yeah, like I we're being pretty mysterious. Yeah, let's just let's get down into the nitty-gritties. With each sacrament, as you said, Joanna, there are symbols. And each symbol actually has like a deep meaning. It's not just a decoration. It's it's actually means something. Some of the symbols that you'll see with a baptism include 
the cross. The person who's being baptized, usually we see babies be baptized. Right. Um, but uh, adults or children that are older can also be baptized, too. Anybody can be baptized as long as you are ready to answer the call to holiness. Um, but that person will be wearing a white garment or receiving a white garment. Um, there is oil involved. There is water involved. There is light. It's pretty cool. Yeah, like we're like baking a cake or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> this and a pinch of that. I guess I if I we're know. the cake, yeah. <laughs> These are the ingredients you need to be. And I, yeah, and I will <laughs> say I'm gonna kind of let you take a little bit more of the lead on this, Shannon, because you have four children that you've baptized. So I, I've had them baptized. I have not baptized them. Oh, excuse me. Yes, you've had them baptized. And so you know a little bit more about, well, a lot, a bit more about this because you've been to the classes and all that stuff. So I know that you, you know your stuff more than me. Yes, my credentials include my children being baptized. And I also had to teach uh, first grade faith formation for a couple of years. And I had to teach about baptism. And I um, simulated a baptism on a Mickey Mouse doll. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so... I'll do the best I can. Wait. I'm not a professional. <laughs> you, what did you like? Use the stuff? No, I, I no, mean, no, no, no. I mean, like, did you use water? Did you use oil? I had like? a cup of water and chapstick. Oh my gosh! And I said, "This is like how it is." So just to give them a, they didn't want to do any more worksheets. It was the end of the year. What can I say? That is genius and adorable, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not a professional. I'm an ordinary Catholic, but I'm a mom. And I learned a lot by going through all of the classes because, believe it or not, I had to take the class four times, for e one for each of my kids. <laughs> I think something of note, too, before we dive into exactly what happens at a Catholic baptism is to note the difference between Catholic baptisms and Protestant baptisms. So, and I, and I will say this, like, I don't know a whole lot about other branches of Christianity and the way that their baptisms work, but, like, on Instagram or social media, like you see people who are getting baptized in tubs or pools or the ocean or rivers or, I don't know, big vats on a stage or something like that. And, and you know, people can get baptized anyway as long as it's, you know, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But I think with Catholic baptisms, like there is a lot of tradition entrenched in it. So there's an order to things. There are the items, like you mentioned, that we have in a Catholic baptism. There are prayers that are said. So there's a lot of steps to a Catholic baptism that kind of s make it a little bit different than just a simple, like, I'm going to dunk you and baptize you. That's not to say that those other baptisms are not valid because they absolutely are. And the Catholic Church actually recognizes all forms of baptism as long as there's water involved and as long as it's done in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So today, specifically, we're just going to be talking about Catholic baptisms and what's involved in those and, and how it works in the Catholic Church. The interesting thing is that you can only be baptized once. So if you're baptized in a different faith and then you decide to become Catholic, you'll, you're already baptized. Oh, yeah. You can't be re-baptized in the Catholic faith. It, it's If you've been baptized in another denomination, it's considered valid, and it's, it's a one-and-done deal. All right, so we're just going to walk through this real quick. You can either 
be baptized at a private ceremony or be baptized in the middle of mass or be baptized after mass. I've actually had it done three different ways because all of my kids got baptized by different priests in different churches just from us moving around. Um, And I have to say what I prefer is the baptism in the middle of mass because it's a new Catholic coming into the to the community, and it should be celebrated by the community. Yeah, that's special. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so the very first thing that happens is the baby, we'll, we'll just say baby. It doesn't have to be a baby. The person being baptized. Is presented for the sacrament, and the priest or the deacon will ask, what do you ask for this child? For this child. And... The parents say either faith or baptism or salvation, something along those lines. And then the priest will trace the sign of the cross on the baby's head, which symbolizes our salvation from death. I mean, that's what the cross is, right? Jesus saved us from death. And then if it's during Mass, we use just the same old liturgy of the word as the scripture, but if it's a private ceremony, then there'll be a separate scripture. Um, I'm not actually sure how it's chosen. I don't know if the priest chooses it or if the family chooses it. Anyway, scripture is read because that sheds divine light on what is at hand, and it builds faith among the community. After that, there's an exorcism. That sounds scarier than it is. I'm sure I've never been involved in an exorcism before in a different way than during baptism but it's just it's very brief little a little prayer because you know we believe that we're all born with the original sin right we all have the stain of original sin except Mm -hmm. for mary and jesus Mm -hmm. and we are neither of those people so there's an exorcism and then the first of two oils is applied um the two oils are the oil of catechumens and the chrism oil. Both of these are blessed by the bishop once a year at the chrism mass, which takes place on Holy Thursday. Yep. I think that's really cool. I never knew that. I thought there was just like a oil store, (laughs) (laughs) a supply store that that churches go to, but it's actually, (laughs) yeah, it's actually divided out once a year. Yeah, to every parish in the diocese. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's like, scented I was gonna say flavored but that's weird scented differently each year like I think that there's a specific is it I don't know I mean it always smells really good but I think it's like I'm I don't know maybe I'm making that up but I thought it was always used like different combination of scents each year maybe I know the oil of catechumens is different than the chrism oil Mm -hmm. so I don't know oh my gosh there's a YouTube video for how to make the chrism oil. <laughs> wow. That is so funny. Okay, wait, I gotta look at it. Well, chrism oil is just olive oil mixed with scented, right. like, perfumes. So this is the Grace, Grace Cathedral in San Francisco mixes the oil of chrism in 2016 using fairly traded olive oil from Palestine. Oh, my gosh, it's this, like, it's this guy. Like, he looks like like uh, Bill Nye the Sign guy. <laughs> The oil, and it looks like he's got, like, essential oils or something in front of him. Yeah, because they're all um, scented. It's all scents. That's so creepy. 
What a rabbit hole. Joanna, come back. Sorry, 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 sorry. I'm going to watch this video later. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so after the exorcism, there is a smudge of oil. I'm using the motion. What am I doing? You're like (laughs) smearing oil. Smearing oil (laughs) over the baby's chest. And I have heard that explained as a shield because you were just exercised, so... Oh, I like that. It's it's God's shield to protect you. I like that too. That's such a uh, medieval times reference. That's so like St. Michael the Archangel. Exactly. Ah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and then we come to the part that I think everybody thinks of when they hear a baptism is water. The water is blessed at this time. It is also the same water that is blessed at the Easter vigil, but it can be re- Blessed every yeah baptism. Actually, can I yeah tell, can interject I share this like crazy tidbit that I heard today when we were preparing <laughs> for the podcast, and I was like, wait, what? It was like a little bit mind blowing. Remember how Jesus is baptized by his cousin John in the right. Jordan River? Yeah, I heard of him. Yeah, you've heard of him. Okay, yeah, you've heard of Jesus. Um, I think so. Okay, cool, great. <laughs> <laughs> he gets baptized, but the waters didn't purify Jesus because he was already totally faithful to the will of God and he was already free from sin so he didn't really need to be baptized because he didn't have the stain of original sin but when he enters the waters the waters didn't purify him he purified the water I just imagine that like in a cartoon like if he sticks his toe in the water and then the water just like changes color like in a rainbow yeah like emitting from his toe (laughs) (laughs) have you seen um the prince of Egypt yeah, obviously. Okay, well, it's such a great movie. The music is so good. I know. Okay, but you know the scene where Moses goes into the yeah, river? Yeah, and sticks his... Yeah, yeah, and it, like, all turns to blood. Yes. Okay, I imagine that, but, like, backwards for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just like, oh, now this water is holy. Holy, it's clean. I don't know. That was just, like, mind-blowing to me. Yeah. I had, like, a mind-blown sound effect. <laughs> that was great. Thanks. <laughs> so, after this water is blessed... We renounce our sin and do a profession of faith. If this is a baby, obviously the baby doesn't speak, and the community speaks on behalf of the baby. Um, It's either the Apostles' Creed or some other variation of, do you reject sin? I do. Do you believe in God? I do. And we just answer that, and that's, that's what that part of Mass is, is our profession of faith. Saying what we believe as Catholics. Then comes the, I guess, uh, the main event is the <laughs> pouring the water over the baby's face, <laughs> <laughs> which is always so funny. Like if you're, it's happening during mass and everybody's so like, "They're so cute," but also the babies are like sleeping and they're like, "What's happening? Who yeah. woke me up?" <laughs> yeah, and my baby fell asleep right before that <gasps> happened. Yeah, he was fussy the whole time, and then right before the water part, he just snuggled up, and then I... <laughs> You're like, sorry, I kid. shocked him. Well, <laughs> the priest did. And so the priest will do three dips either with a, I don't know, a cup or his hand, or a, I've seen it done with like a seashell, a big shell. And he says, I bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And everybody then... Everybody cheers. Everybody cheers. <laughs> And everybody says, oh, this is so cute. Woo. <laughs> and then 
comes the second oil, the anointing with the chrism. And I feel like, gosh, this is the best smell ever. It's just, it's so sweet and a little spicy. And that goes right over the, the wet forehead. And what that does is it seals in all of God's grace, I guess. And the cool thing about baptism, too, is it leaves what's called an indelible mark on your soul. What does indelible mean? It means that, like, it can never, ever, ever be removed. No matter what you do, like, you will always, always carry that with you. So even if you, like, aren't practicing anymore, if you're not practicing any faith anymore, if you convert faiths, if you, I don't know, don't believe in God anymore, like, sorry, you've got that indelible mark, baby. Mark for life. That's cool. But actually, this isn't over yet. There's more. But wait, wait, there's there's more. more. (laughs) Uh, The newest Catholic. That's what one of the priests would always introduce the baby as. Please say hello to the world's newest Catholic. I think that's just so cute. Receives two things. One is a white garment and one is a candle. A lot of times the baby will wear a white christening gown traditionally passed on, you know, by their family members or something, but they actually receive this tiny, it's almost like a handkerchief that my kids have received, Mm -hmm. and it's a symbol of Christ's protective love over us. Every one that I've received has actually been made in-house, so by community members of our parish. So sweet. I don't know if that is the rule or just the tradition, but I think that's so cool, too, because it shows that everybody is rooting for you and you're not walking alone. And we are the body of Christ, not I am, but we are together, all together. It feels like there's really, in its purest sense of the word, a support system. Yeah. Of, of fellow Catholics to walk with you and help you raise your child yeah, in the Catholic faith. And then there's a white candle, which is lit from the Paschal candle, which is... Yeah, the so the Paschal candle is like that big, fancy candle that you see. It's different from the, the red tabernacle candle, but the Paschal candle is usually like decorative. It might have the year on it because you get a new Paschal candle at every Easter vigil, and then you use that throughout the whole rest of the year. So that's what we use at baptisms, too. And consequently, or coincidentally, or not coincidentally, both of these things, the white garment and the candle, are also present at a Catholic funeral. Because, yeah, the casket has like a white drape over it, and then the Paschal candle, probably not the baby's, especially if it's an old person, the baptism candle, but the Paschal candle is lit, and it's just a reminder of salvation and that this person has entered into their new life that they were promised at baptism. What, like a full circle thing. Yes. Yes, so, and then when they, obviously the baby's not going to hold a burning candle. A lot of times the candle will be handed to the godparent, and then the godparent shows it to the baby and says, receive the light of Christ. Yeah, and I mean, I, the whole role of godparents, too, is to help the parents of the, the child or the person being baptized in their role as the primary teachers and the primary catechists of their kids. So they're supposed to help the parents raise the kid Catholic, mm-hmm. um, which is no small task, no, not right? At all. Like, and if you say yes to being a godparent, like, that's a 
that's a big deal. You know, the godparent is saying that they're going to walk with this child and, and help them in their faith journey for the rest of their lives, and which is, is no small task, and it's, it's not something that to be taken lightly. I think the challenge for a godparent is even if they themselves, you know, have struggles with the, the faith, they, they promised that they were going to encourage this person to keep at it. Yeah. I remember growing up, my my uncle is my godfather, and this is the same uncle who I've, like, talked about a bunch of times. With the stories of the virtues? Yes. I remember that. that. Um, he, throughout my whole life, he's been very, like, encouraging. He sent me my first UCAT, which is, like, the youth catechism. He sent me my first, like, teen Bible. Like, he's been very encouraging, and I would say, like, probably one of the role models my Catholic faith growing up and and you know even as an adult like I still look up to him in regards to my Catholic faith because I know that he still knows more than me and I can still like learn from him and and all that so I I value the the role of, of my godfather in my life so I like want to be that for because I am a godmother are you I am too I am a godmother to my cousin who's all grown up and my Best, one of my best friends from college's two kids, two of her three kids. I'm the godmother, and I don't know them, actually, because they live far away, but I include them in my prayers, and I send them notes and stuff. For One of them just got their first communion, uh, so she reminded me, and I sent him a little something. But, yeah, some, something to... Even if you're far away and you don't have a relationship, you're still the godparent. You're still, right. you're important, and they're important to you. Yeah. And it's just one more good example of an adult that has a mature faith that you have to be. I don't like the way I said that. Well, it's just another example of how, as you're growing up as a child, there are other people other than just your parents who can be examples of the Catholic faith to you. They're mature adults. They've, you know, either been raised in the faith or maybe they came to their faith later in life, but they're active in their faith. And they're just, you know, other role models for you. In the readings the other day, we are called to be light in the darkness. And baptism is that, is that we are asked to walk by the light. And I've never heard of this, but when I was looking some stuff up, I think it used to be baptism used to be referred to as the sacrament of illumination or Ooh. just illuminating. I like that. Mm-hmm. So in addition to being the sacrament of initiation, it's a sacrament of light. Did you know that you don't, well, I mean, this is in like severe cases, but lay people can baptize people? Yeah, because I have a friend who was nervous that he would have to do that. He used to have, like, nightmares about having to emergency baptize somebody. Yeah. But it's – so, yeah, as long as it's someone, like, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, like, any layperson can baptize. But it's, like, only emergency situations. (laughs) I'm just, like, picturing, like, walking down the street and being, like, baptizing people. (laughs) That's not what it's for. You can't do that. It doesn't count. Yes. Sorry. I'm not saying that, like, that's – that's an acceptable form of baptism because it's not, but in like, <laughs> <laughs> but actually, so one of our coworkers, 
had an emergency baptism. Now, okay, I will say she was born in a Catholic hospital, so I know that there were, she was baptized by a priest because it was a Catholic hospital, so there was a priest around and a priest present. But she was baptized, like, she was in, um, like, at risk of death or something. Was she a baby? Yeah. So it was, like, when she was first born. Like, she, like, mama just popped her out. Um, Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and then I guess, like, her aunt and who was also going to be her godmother was like and also a nurse was like nope get a priest in here asap let's go let's go like oh my gosh yeah knew that this child was at risk of of dying at birth and was like not happening on my watch and so she like grabbed a priest and brought him in to to baptize but like in extreme circumstances where like a child is being born and like they are like it's a very dangerous birth or like there's a chance of death. Like I hope I never ever have to do one. Yeah. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Which is crazy to think about. That is crazy. It's crazy that that can happen. And then there's so many different circumstances for whatever reason that, you know, babies don't get baptized and they end up passing away. Right. Before they can get baptized. Yeah child is miscarried or yeah aborted yeah it's sad to think about but at the same time I think there's the I don't want to say myth but everybody immediately thinks that that baby who didn't have a chance to get baptized goes to limbo yeah they're like stuck in between or something Mm -hmm. and just to note um, I guess closing notes is that we actually aren't sure that there's no we have definitive no, yeah. one way or the other. Like we have no idea. We don't know what happens. The one thing to keep in mind is that you know God is a God of mercy, and it's important to entrust those babies into the mercy of God. And in the Bible, it says. Let the children come to me. So, yeah, I, I have a lot of hope in that regard, and that's just more of a personal thing because, again, like we nobody actually knows, but I have a lot of hope in that regard, and I think that's kind of the whole point of, of baptism in itself is it's we're we're being baptized and claimed for Christ, and it gives us that hope that one day we are going to be united with Christ in heaven. You know, when that when all of it comes full circle and we do die and that's baptism, folks. If you want to see how Christmas is made, check out our show notes. <laughs> yeah, I guess I can put the, uh, the video link in the show notes. Or if you have any crazy baptism stories. Yeah, we'd love to hear about them. Or just the regular ones, the ordinary ones. Or those too. Mm-hmm. All baptisms are cool. Mm-hmm. It's fun to watch. Fun to be a part of. We'd love to hear about it. You can find us on Instagram at an ordinary Catholic. We're praying for you. Please pray for us. And we'll see you in our prayers. prayers.